0: The Ice Analytics Podcast is sponsored by MyBookie. As you guys know, there's no other sport like hockey, from the fast tempo to the fights to the highlight reel plays, and there's no better way to make it more exciting than laying some money on it. With MyBookie.ag. Nobody gives you more ways to win than they do. They have the best payouts and better odds than any other sports book out there. And I wouldn't be telling you this if they weren't the best. And if you join MyBookie now, they will match your first deposit 50% up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $100, you'll get extra $50 of free money. Just use the promo code THPN to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. Play. You win you get paid. Just remember to use that promo code THPN. On this episode of Ice Analytics, I'm going to be looking at shooting and goals. What's the relationship? More shots? Better shots? Find out. I'm going to be joined by William Lang, the curator of Icy Data, a website that specializes in hockey analytics and heat maps. This is Ice Analytics, proudly part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome to episode seven of Ice Analytics. I am your host, Matthew Arp. Excited to bring you the first part of our shooting discussion. What is the relationship between shots and goals? This episode is all about shot selection, shot quality. On Number Crunch, I'm going to be exploring some of the various metrics that capture this phenomena, how do we measure shot quality, things like high danger and mid danger and low danger shots as well as expected goals and we're going to test to see which ones are the best for understanding goal scoring on statchat i'm going to be joined by william lang curator of the icy data website which does a lot of great work with event mapping shot mapping heat mapping i'm excited to have him on to explain some of the metrics and methods and analysis that goes into The development of a hockey analytics website as i mentioned in the introduction this is part one of a multiple part series it's probably gonna be two parts probably this week and next week and this week we're going to be looking at shot quality next week we're going to be looking at shot quantity now these are two non-mutually exclusive schools of thought obviously there's merits to both It's never a bad idea to throw the puck at the net, right? Who knows what can happen? Ask Patrick Kane. At the same time, higher quality chances should be the priority for players. I mean, shooting from high danger areas is better than shooting from low danger areas. We're going to explore this relationship on this podcast and next week's podcast. So let's start with shot quality. In recent years, there's been a major focus on quantifying the quality of a shot. Everybody knows shooting the puck closer to the net is a better shot than shooting the puck further away from the net. I mean, this is pretty obvious and intuitive as a hockey fan, you know, watch the game. There's a good reason why fans are always holding their breath when you see a two-on-one developing and you know that cross-crease pass is coming right in front of the goal area. you You know exactly what's gonna happen. Everybody knows what's gonna happen. But being able to take that information The eye test, being able to know what a high quality shot is and quantify that and put a number on that has been a major focus of the analytics community the past five or so years. And the way in which we've seen this put together is a metric called expected goals, abbreviated XG. And this is one of those metrics that hockey statisticians have developed to try to capture the likelihood of a shot going in the net. So what is the probability? What is the likelihood? And this is measured on a scale from zero to one, with one being a hundred percent chance of going in the net and zero meaning there's a zero percent chance of going in the net. This metric captures what I would call like a shot quality. And it takes into consideration a variety of factors, things that we would consider to be intuitive and also pass the eye test. Things like shot distance, second since the last shot the angle the coordinates of the shot the type of shot now there's not one standard formula for developing expected goals because there's a bunch of different models and every website it seems like has their own way of weighing these variables to put a a different number on shot probability if you go to evolving hockey Com. If you go to Moneypuck or Corsica or the one I'm going to be using this episode, Natural Stat Trick, they all have their own independent models that take into consideration slightly different factors. So if you go to one and see an expected goal percentage of, of X or Y, and then you go to another website and there's a different number, that's why. Because they all have different models to measure these things. I am by no means an expert and maybe at the end of this season i'll actually sit down and evaluate all these different models and and i can tell you which one performed the best but uh, as of right now i'm not i'm not 100% sure or 100% confident which one is more accurate or less accurate they all seem pretty solid to me but it, you know i'm sure that there is one that performs better than the others just to give you a point of reference as to how this metric is displayed typically expected goals is presented in a percentage format same with goals for Corsi 4 or Fenwick 4 any of these things you'll see there's variations of this that are a percentage format and if you see goals 4% or expected goals 4% what this means is your team's number of goals divided by the total number of goals So for instance, in a one-game situation, if it's a 10-goal game and your team scored six of them, your goals for would be 60%. And expected goals works the same sort of way, except instead of actual goals for, you divide your team's expected goals by the total number of expected goals to give you a percentage. And for all these metrics, a good rule of thumb is... You want your number to be over fifty percent, because fifty percent means your number and your opponent's numbers are equal, and you don't want that. Like you want to have at least over fifty percent production of your opponent. So, for instance, for an expected goals for of fifty-five percent, your expected goals output is fifty-five percent of the total number of goals. Now, I wanted to evaluate this relationship. You have goals 4%, you have expected goals 4 percentage, and are those numbers related? In other words, how good is the expected goals model at correlating with the actual number of goals scored? And when I did this, I found that the correlation number is 0549 between the natural stat trick expected goals and actual goals, which is pretty strong considering correlation is ranges between a negative one, which means they're complete opposites, to one, which means they're exactly the same correlation, one-to-one. 0.55 isn't bad. There, there is a strong correlation between these two values. In terms of causality, does having a higher expected goals for percentage drive the actual number of goals for? What we find is that it's a pretty reliable metric. For every 1% increase in expected goal percentage, there is a 0.8% increase in actual goals for percentage. So pretty, pretty good as far as predicting actual goals this model works and it shouldn't be too surprising considering when you take things into consideration like shot location the type of shot the time between shots those are all the most important facets of goal scoring so being able to capture those things properly it, they should be really expected goals should be a good predictor of actual goals another angle we could take on this is looking at the number of shots taken in higher danger areas now the hockey statisticians have come up with three danger areas and they've mapped these things out and you can check it out on the website if you want to see what, what this looks like. But they've broken the ice apart and it identified three distinct areas, low danger shots, mid danger shots, and high danger shots. Now here high danger shots are going to be the ones right in front of the net and mid danger is going to be the second layer of the onion and low danger are going to be the ones out by the blue line. You can actually see how many shots you're generating in higher danger areas, again, presented in a percentage format compared to how many shots you're giving up in those areas by dividing your number by the total number. If your team shoots more often on high danger areas and you give up less shots in high danger areas, that is going to translate to more goals for. That that there is definitely a relationship there, an expected relationship. It's not totally unexpected. I mean, if you shoot in higher danger areas closer to the net, you're probably going to, you know, end up with more goals. That makes sense. However, there's a couple of very interesting variations with some of the numbers, and in particular mid-danger shots because generating more mid-danger shots than your opponent in that second tier is actually stronger of a relationship compared to out your opponent in the high danger areas. That doesn't make a lot of sense because there's, you know, being a high danger area, being right in front of the net, you would think that that would be the prime real estate to shoot. Now, how do we come up with this? Well, if you take your team's number of high danger, low danger, mid danger shots and divide it by the total number of shots in that area, you actually get a very... Location specific Corsi 4 percentage. And mid danger Corsi 4 is actually the most significant of all three danger areas. For every 1% increase in mid danger Corsi 4, actual goal 4 percentage increases by 0.72 compared to high danger shooting, increasing it only by 0.61. Another intriguing aspect is that the shooting percentage from those respective areas. Because shooting percentage from high danger areas is significantly more important than shooting from any of the other danger areas, which makes sense. If you can, there are already high percentage shots to begin with. You get a limited number of opportunities to shoot from high danger areas in each game. So it's important to connect on those opportunities that you have and bury them. What's intriguing, though, is that shooting percentage from low danger areas is more significant than shooting percentage from mid-danger areas. So what does this mean? Because that I find that to be very interesting. Conceptually, you'd expect shooting well closer to the net would be more important than shooting well from far away from the net. But I think what we're seeing here is the combination of these two things, the shooting percentage and the number of shots in mid-danger areas. There's something going on here because mid-danger shots themselves are more important than any of the other areas. But mid-danger shooting percentage is the least important. And I think what the narrative that tells us is that it's not about shooting well from the mid-danger zone. It's about shooting more from the mid-danger zone. And that may be depressing the overall shooting percentage, but that is still a pivotal area for generating goals. Teams are smart enough to realize that there's a limited number of high danger opportunities available. And while low danger shots are less likely to go in, the combination of setting up deflections or screening goaltenders means that, you know, if you can shoot well from far away from the net and and generate those opportunities, I could explain why low danger shooting percentage is actually more important than mid-danger shooting percentage. Now, this isn't to say that you should start shooting from the blue line because the chance of that shot going in the net is significantly lower than shooting closer It just makes sense but what i'm saying is is that shooting well from the blue line and being able to set up goals from that far out is actually more significant than shooting well in mid-danger areas and as i mentioned earlier that's probably more than likely a case of quality mid-danger shots are less important than quantity of mid-danger shots. And that's not as much of a problem for low-danger shots because we're just seeing less of them. And lastly, the only thing I would say is I think high-danger shots are the key, but maybe it's time to evaluate what is actually classified as a high-danger shot. And one of the ways we can actually do this is by visually inspecting where shots are coming from and which ones are gonna go in the back of the net. One of the ways you can do this is by looking at heat maps. Heat maps are one of the coolest things. They're visualizations that show you where events are taking place on the ice. And it's data provided directly from the NHL. So this is not something that is uh, is parsed or modeled or subjective in any way. Each event has a coordinate. And then that coordinate can be mapped to show you where each event took place. Where are goal clusters coming from? Where are shot clusters coming from? Heat maps use a lot of the same variables as that expected goals model I mentioned earlier. Things like shot location and distance. But rather than numerically presenting them, they're showing them in a visual form. Rather than a probability number, like I mentioned earlier, from zero to one, there's a 50% chance of this shot going in the net. So it has an expected goal value of 0.5. That's fine if you're doing some sort of analysis like I did earlier, trying to evaluate the relationship between shooting and and scoring. But showing the clustering visually on the ice and and where are these shots coming from, that is a really useful tool for a bunch of different applications. From a strategy perspective, it's another tool that can be used by coaches and analysts to find mismatches and be able to take advantage of goaltending. There's a couple different Prominent websites that provide this data to the public. And I want to get into this heat mapping stuff with William from Icy Data. Today on StatChat, I'm joined by William Lang, who is the curator of Icy Data, a premier analytics website that offers some stunning visualizations. You can find William on Twitter at icy underscore hockey and icydata.hockey. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. What has your journey been like working with hockey analytics and launching the IC Data website?
1: Uh, it's been super, super long and super difficult.
0: I, I work as a software engineer,
1: and so when you're working from you know anywhere from eight to ten hours a day in front of a computer, the last thing you want to do is then come home and continue to work on a computer. And that was what a lot of
0: my life was like when I first started to make IC Data. Is there anything that you wish you had known when you first started out on this project asking for a friend? Oh, absolutely. So, um
1: originally when I when I started IC data, it it wasn't called IC data. It was called uh, assistantcoach.net. Um a s s t coach.net. a s t coach.net. It was it was awful. Um my wife came up with the new name for for IC data. Um and it's awesome because it's not, it's both a pun and, you know, icy data It's perfect. Um, and originally when I started again, it was just a passion projects. Um, you know, I'd seen websites like extra skater.net and war on ice. And I thought, Hey, I, I, I know how to do that. And so I, I made my own, you know, I built my own scraper an extremely bare bone website to display the data. It was just my own website, my own database. And it was all local, like wasn't, wasn't in the public. And then of course, A few months later, and I was super angry with myself, Daryl Metcalf, the gentleman behind extra skater.net was hired by the Leafs. And you know, my thinking is there's no reason to make my work public. And I'm not saying I would have been hired by the Leafs, but I removed any chance of that happening um, by not
0: showcasing my work. So definitely get your work out there. That's good advice. And I appreciate that advice. We've seen a ton of development. I know you mentioned uh, Extra Skater, but you know we've seen the analytics space the past decade just explode with a lot of different development in different directions. As somebody that I would consider an analytics savant, what do you find to be some of the most useful metrics in evaluating both team and player performance? So uh,
1: I would not call myself an analytics savant by any stretch of the imagination, though thank you. Um, and despite... And as you mentioned, despite vast improvements to hockey analytics, it is still a very young discipline. Technology today allows hockey analytics to progress at a rate that is much faster than, say, when sabermetrics was invented and grew. But it's still very, very young. Useful metrics. Um, let's start with goalies because goalies are voodoo, right? Um, high danger save percentage is a big one. Uh, teams are starting to, if not already, using this stat. You know, no one cares if you can save a shot hundred percent of the time when the angle of the shot is on the goal line or something, you are expected to make that save. Um, and this ties into expected goals, right? Um, it's expected that players will score in front of the net That's just something like one in five shots to use extremely round numbers here, um, go in the net. Like the slot is a, is a high danger shooting percentage area. So let's say on average, uh, 20% of shots go in the net in the highest danger area on the ice, but your goalie in that situation only lets in goals, say 15% of the time, you know, that is huge. That's one less goal every three games. If you're averaging say 30 shots a game. Now let's say your goalie plays 60 games like Freddie Anderson in Toronto, you know, that's 20 less goals per season over what an average goalie would let in. That's enormous. Uh, and take these numbers with a grain of salt. I'm just spitballing what the actual numbers are. Um, I'd need a, a visualization up to, to actually get the exact numbers there.
0: That is that is huge. And and I, I couldn't agree more about uh, both expected goals and the different variation of save percentage. One of the cutting-edge tools I think we've seen developed over the past five, 10 years has been the heat map. And I'm a very visual person, so I am fond of the intuitiveness of a heat map. What are some of the other practical applications of heat mapping event data like shots and goals? Yeah, uh, I love heat
1: maps too. Um, You know, I work at Tableau and they had heat maps scheduled for a release and I couldn't say anything. But I would play around with it um, ahead of time and I was super excited to share that with everybody. Um, again, couldn't say anything, but fairly certain the devs at work were annoyed by the time it was released. Cause every day I was like, are you guys done yet? Um, and any type <laughs> of visualization, uh, you want it to help you find outliers. Um, and I feel heat, mat- heat maps are great at this. You just need to toggle a few things so that, you know, frequencies of whatever you're measuring don't cover something up. So for instance, on my site, if you look at Ovechkin's career shot and goals heat map, he's got his office, right? And that area in the heat map is white hot, okay? So you know he scores a lot from that area, but you don't know if there are any variations to where he positions himself. Like, does he move a foot to the left or right sometimes? Or is he higher up or lower? Um, is there even a particular team where he changes where, where his office is? Um, and you can't do that because of, you know, how often he scores in that general area. So what you can do is then have like a, a, a dynamic frequency so that you can see those, those small variations. I'm trying to do that with my site. Um, however, you don't want your frequencies to change too much because then it's hard to compare players. And just having a, a, a regular heat map of where goals are scored to tie into you know, expected goals, you know, that will easily show you high danger areas where players score. Um, so, anything where you want to track frequency, heat maps can be really useful. Let's say turnovers and giveaways. You might see your team gives away the puck too much in the neutral zone compared to other teams. Uh, so, heat maps are great at telling you the what, but not necessarily the why. You got to look at the why. What are the who of the players on the
0: ice, and so on and so forth. Absolutely, it, it is definitely an invaluable metric. And if we think it's invaluable, I can't imagine what the teams that uh, are actually implementing these strategies. Think of, of things like heat maps for sure. Cause they have a lot more data than we do as well. Definitely. So as the analytics community continues to push these boundaries with new models and metrics, there's always going to be purists that question this work. And maybe I'm being a little generous because there's a wide variety of criticisms, but do you think that the analytics community could do anything differently? to make the future of analytics more accessible to, say, to, to include more hockey fans of various knowledge. Yes, absolutely. Um, and good.
1: Um, I'm glad there are purists questioning the work of hockey analytics. If you don't have anybody pushing you to be better, you're not going to get better. There's no progress. So welcome the challenge, analytics nerds. Um, and if you're a purist out there and you're listening to this podcast, um, continue to question everything you see. Um, and that all being said, analytics are just another tool to use. You know, don't skip the eye test. Just don't skip analytics either. Um, a lot of the work I do is to make hockey analytics more accessible. There are a lot of visualizations out there that are super informative, but they're only really informative to the hockey analyst. Um, I make my visualizations super easy, uh, like super basic because they're much easier to understand. Um, and I don't put analytics on my site that I don't understand. Um, not only that, but coaches are very similar to what fans want to see. Um, you want to look at a visualization and you want to get an answer quickly. They don't want to see a visual of like a visualization. and wonder what's going on. Um, there are lots of amazing work out there for the hockey analyst again, but there are very few out there for the fan and coach. Um, and you know, it's been a long time since I've seen, you know, a Twitter war on some sort of model um, and people just railroading each other. So I feel like the community is also getting much better. Um, so if you're a, puri- a purist and you're listening to this podcast, that's awesome. You're sort of broadening your horizons um, and stick with it um, because it's the purists that are going to be pushing us to, to create a, a, a better, uh, better stat something that better reflects what's going on the ice.
0: I guess all we can ask is that it, the feedback is in a uh, uh, constructive manner and not That's just right. you know, flaming people on, on Reddit. Exactly. Criti- criticize the stat and not the person. Amen. All right. So last question for you. I'm curious, can you give us any sort of a sneak peek behind the curtain as to any projects you're currently working on for the website? So uh, for IC data,
1: I'm always working on something new um, when I'm not working on uh, bugs on the site. Um, right now, um, I'd like to put together a, uh, a visualization for each specific goaltender and their high danger save percentages. Um, you know, when you go to a a player profile on the site, there's a viz there that shows you know what teams they played for, their age. Their, uh, the minutes they've played in each season. Um, I would like to add a additional heat map to that to show high danger save percentage for that particular goalie, uh, as well as I'm working on a game uh, using hockey analytics. My goals are fairly lofty, but such is the case with most of my passion projects. Uh, the plan is you can have a it being single or multiplayer in a n team league. Uh, you're a GM, and if I can add tableau or something to it that would be great um i might have to settle for using a graphing library in javascript or something um, anyway your your job as the gm is to evaluate your players um, under the hood you know your players will have values for their abilities but you're not going to be able to see any of that like say in popular nhl games you, you can see their overall you're not gonna be able to see any of that you're gonna have to look at underlying numbers and evaluate your players um, i'm quite a try and generate, you know, play-by-play summary similar to the NHL with some extra data, of course, because I will be creating that data and so we'll have access to it. Um, and they'll be able to use that data to perform their own analysis on their players. Um, I've been working on this for about a year and a half now. Um, I don't see it being done for a very, very long time. Um, but that's what I'm working on when I'm not working on IC data.
0: And of course, when I'm not working my full-time job. That sounds really exciting. And I got to say, I can't wait for the beta test because I'm signing up for that. Awesome. Thank you. That's great to hear. I want to give you the mic for a second as I do all my guests. And if you have anything you want to shout out or plug, the floor is yours. Again, my website is icdata.hockey.
1: I've got a lot of different stats on there. Um, I've got a blog that will showcase my previous hockey analytics talks. Um, they're great, uh, to getting started with Tableau and hockey analytics. They show you how to, uh, create Corsi and Fenwick, cause that's kind of the, the starting point that a lot of people look at when they get into hockey analytics. So those tutorials will allow you to create Corsi and Fenwick graphs within Tableau. Great, great tutorials to get started. Um, and yeah, just plug in my own, uh, my own website.
0: I don't really have, uh, anything else on the go, I guess. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Stat Chat. And uh, I wish you the best of luck and really looking forward to that beta invite. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. This brings us to our concluding thoughts of this episode. Now, at this point in the season, we can actually assess which teams are performing both above and below their expectations. And looking at the numbers that we have at the beginning of this week, there's a couple of teams we should keep an eye on. First of all, the Kings... And the Golden Knights, I think we all agree that the ship has sailed for the Kings, a little too little, too late for them to make a run. But they are 53% expected goals for percentage, but their actual goals for percentage is nearly 10% less. This can lead us to a couple of possible conclusions. Either they broke the model or they're playing much better than their record indicates. In Vegas's case, they have the second best expected goals for percentage in the league at 54.3%, but their actual goals for percentage is below 49%. Expect both of these teams, or at least Vegas, to regress in a positive direction the rest of the season. On the other side of the coin, two teams that may be performing above expectations is Boston and Colorado. Both of their goals for percentages are outpacing expectations by about 7%. Now, while Colorado doesn't have anybody necessarily on their tail in the expected goals for race, Boston does. Tampa Bay has been playing extremely well recently, and it's starting to finally be reflected in their record. In terms of shot selection, looking at things like mid-danger Corsi 4 and high-danger Corsi 4, there's two teams to keep an eye on. Carolina is putting up 53.5% and 53.8% respectively for mid and high-danger Corsi 4. And Tampa Bay, again, is putting up 55.3% and 55% respectively in those areas. Both of these teams are near the top of the league in both optimal shot selection and defending those areas as well. All right, folks, on that note, be sure to tune in next week. I'm gonna be looking at shot quantities And I'm going to be joined by Zach Tompkins of the Siren Sounder podcast. And remember, folks, drink and think responsibly. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Ice Analytics, your source for NHL stats and analysis hosted by the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. You can find me on Twitter at Ice Analytics, and you can find the show notes at www.statsenforcer.com. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to our feed and leave us a review.